0: Now I'd like to introduce the moderator for our first panel of the day, Mr. Thaddeus Russell. Thaddeus Russell is a professor of history and American studies at Occidental College and the author of A Renegade History of the United States. Please give a very, very warm welcome to Thaddeus Russell.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, This is the first of a series of public events that Occidental College in Zocala will be putting on this academic year on the issue of water. Um, It's a theme that we've adopted as our academic theme for the year. Uh, All of our uh, fresh people uh, are required to read uh, text on water. We will have a series of lectures on campus on water. Um, it was occasioned by November 5th of this year being the 100th anniversary of the opening of the Los Angeles Aqueduct. And we received a very generous grant from Metabolic Studio to sponsor these events. Um, and I hope to see you again. We will be having um, another event in San Francisco uh, in November, possibly one in China. Uh, and I know that's sort of a long commute for you. And then. <laughs> And then one back in Los Angeles, probably in April. And then we have a series of events on campus as well. You can find out if you go to the website uh, called Water and Power at the Oxy website. Um, today, or this panel, we will be talking with three experts on water. Uh, Rob Lempert, on the far, my far left here, is a senior scientist at the RAND Corporation and director of the Frederick S. Pardee Center for Longer-Range Global Policy and the Future Human Condition. (laughs) (laughs) That that is a title. His research focuses on uh, decision-making under conditions of deep uncertainty with an emphasis on climate change, energy, and the environment. He was a contributor to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, which was awarded the Nobel Prize for Peace in 2007 along with Vice President Al Gore. Uh, Gretchen North, my colleague at Occidental, is a professor of biology at, at Oxy, where she teaches plant biology, physiological e- ecology, and environmental bi- biology. Her research investigates the ways that plants take up, move, and lose water, both in arid landscapes and the tropical rainforest. Currently, she and her students are examining water use by plants known as tank bromeliad, <laughs> bromel, will
2: bro- <laughs> do.
3: <laughs> Come on, Gretchen.
1: In Costa Rica, <coughs> nice place to do research, as well as by succulents and shrubs in Southern California. Uh, Jay Famiglietti. <laughs> my, my chair just broke. Jay Famiglietti <laughs> is a professor of Earth System Science and of Civil and Environmental Engineering at, the U- at UC Irvine and founding director of the UC Center for Hydrologic Modeling, which uses satellites and develops computer models to track water availability on land. Okay, so... Uh, I will be both moderator and speaking on behalf of the laypersons in the audience today. Okay. So if you, if you descend into jargon, I will hold you to it. Um, so here's my question, uh, which I want to be the theme of this panel. So in, uh, in the early 19th century, a British philosopher named Thomas Malthus predicted that the planet's population would outgrow the available natural resources on it that eventually people would start to die off because we would use up too much of our natural resources, in particular, water and food. Um, Now, Malthus said that the population, because of that, would respond uh, by decreasing itself through war, famine, and disease. Um, Of course, what happened was, through the 20th century, global population went up and up and up and up, right? And so many social scientists and others have said that Malthus was completely... Wrong. However, it occurred to me. Thank you. <laughs> that that um, unlike certain resources like energy, which can be invented anew, right? If you run out of oil, you can invent wind or solar. Water can't be invented anew. You can't create new water, as far as I understand it. I'm not a scientist, but I'm pretty sure that can't be done. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yet, the population of the Earth is now seven billion. Um, and we are now, there's a substantial portion of the Earth's population does not have access to clean drinking water. Um, Is there a threshold point where we simply will not have enough water to go around? The question I have for all of you, and I need you to answer this in 45 (laughs) minutes, was Malthus correct? Rob.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not yet, I would say. Okay, good. Yeah, not yet. and I think you're sort of mixing two things. I mean, there's a, like a, a large number of people worldwide who don't have access to clean water, but we know how to fix that. I mean, that's uh, inadequate investment, poor governance, and that sort of thing. Um, in a place like California, there are some people who lack access to clean water, but the main problem is um, uh, supply, and we just have way too much, uh, the demand is growing way faster than the supply, and it's not that we don't have ways we might re- rectify that imbalance you know, through more conservation, more recycling mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, really in, in some sense it's, uh, it's a problem of can we navigate, we need a really big transformation of the way we use water and can we navigate there um, without getting stuck in, in, in some pitfalls. If we all had, if we all trusted each other perfectly well Hmm. and uh, planned
1: flawlessly. Okay. We'd have no trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So we will not have to forcibly limit the birth rate. I wouldn't start there, now. Wouldn't start there, okay. (laughs) So you're trying to forestall that as long as possible, but you're not making any promises. I I think there's a lot we can do before we get there. Okay. Yeah, particularly in a place like California. Um, Gretchen, uh, you write and study a lot about arid landscapes. Um, It occurs to me, am I right about this, that Los Angeles is the largest city on Earth without a natural perennial source of water, fresh water? Am I right about that?
2: Did you preface that with Gretchen? Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I don't know the answer. Yeah, to does that anyone question. know this? Yeah. I,
1: well, here's the thing. so I started. I'm an, I don't I'm not a specialist, but I did some research on this and I tried to find this, and it, it appeared to me that that's the case. Um, no. Well, it's a, certainly a very large city without a natural perennial source of fresh water. So is, is there a bigger city without one? It's got a source. It's
4: just uh, it
1: outgrew it. Yeah. Uh, more than perennial years. source.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which is what? The river and groundwater. The LA river, yeah. which is a trickle sometimes and sometimes dry. Okay. Well,
4: we've got a lot more people here than the. it's certainly not enough source. to
1: sustain a city. Yes. Is my, is that's the point. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, so Gretchen, um, so should L.A. exist?
2: Well, you keep giving me these things that are very far from what I normally think about. However... Um, I'm glad I'm stretching you. Yeah, so should L.A. exist? I, I think, I mean, it does, right? I, I am a, a plant biologist. I don't deal with should very much. So it does, and there are many things that L.A. can do. I think L.A. is actually, when you think about water globally... I think there's reason to be hopeful for L.A. Hmm. Um, there's other places that I'm way less hopeful about. Yeah. So, Can so I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with. I mean, I think L.A. There's ways for L.A. to not grow anymore that would be really good. They don't really have to do so much with population as what that population does with land use okay. and water use.
1: Okay, we'll get to solutions in a few minutes. <laughs> so, um, so Jay was Malthus correct. Should we start killing people? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I have, a, I have a, a slightly different view, I think, than the, than the other panelists. I think that it, he was correct, and I think that we're already at that point in, in some places where, <laughs> where we don't have enough water, and there are places in California that don't have enough water. So it's more of a spatial thing. So globally, um, we'll have enough water for uh, for a long time, and we don't need to be worrying about um, global population growth just yet. But regionally, we, cer- we certainly do have our issues, and that's it's true in California. Uh, over the past year, we've seen a number a number of uh, towns in Texas that uh, have literally run out of water. Hmm. Um, so we're we're reaching the limits in in many places, and uh, we need a strategy.
1: So it's a question of distribution, right? So some it people is. will have water, and some yeah. people already don't. Right, and, and so
0: this is a problem because. Way, uh, the way that our water is distributed. and When you look at global and regional maps, it's, it's very uh, defi- very well defined regionally. So that you do have your haves and your have-nots. And the challenge is, so for example, we're have-nots down here in Southern California and in Northern California. Uh, They're the, the haves. And <laughs> we're lucky because we're in the same state and we can actually uh, coexist, but... Um, you know, do we, do we expect that, that Canada will be, um, will be sending, you know, building a big pipeline to send water to, uh, to the United States? You know, probably not. So dealing with the, ha- the haves and the have-nots, um, either directly by moving water or indirectly by policies or by virtual trade, that's going to be a big part of the future. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so how is water distributed globally? Well, let's actually start with Los Angeles. So it rains. <laughs> <laughs> then what happens to it? Yeah. Or, you know, think about from the consumer's point of view. So, yeah. I mean, this is, again, for lay people. Yeah. You know, so we flush the toilet, the water goes... Wh- give us the whole cycle. Go, it goes from the toilet to where to <laughs> where. And how, does it, and how does it come back, and why yeah. is
4: this a problem? Let me end with the toilet. But okay, um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. um, in, in Southern California, roughly um, a third of our water is actually local, from groundwater, mostly, um, and then a third of our water comes from the Colorado River, which is snow and rain, which falls in Colorado, comes down the river, goes to uh, uh, Hoover Dam, and is pumped over the desert here. And then about a third of the water comes from Northern California, from the San Joaquin, uh, San Francisco Bay Delta. And um, so we uh, spend a lot of this, this, you know, seven oh and then we have the LA Aqueduct, which which takes water down from the Owens Valley. So, um, you know, a uh, uh, the large fraction of our water comes from outside the region and we've got this, you know, seventh wonder of the world engineering systems, which bring the water from where it rains, from the, from the have places mm-hmm. to us down here with, um, uh, a lot of concrete and a lot of energy to pump it over the mountains. And, um, you know, then we tend to use it and, put it in the, uh, in the sewer systems, we clean it up, and out it goes into the ocean. Right. Um, we don't do a good job of capturing the rain, which does fall on the city. You know, we get, you know, never doesn't rain in Southern California, it pours, and when that
1: rain falls on the city, most of it picks up um, it, toxins from the road and it, goes out in the bay. Is it true we have no significant catchments in, in Southern California mm. um, to catch rainwater with? You know,
4: we have lots of wonderful pilot <laughs> programs and virtually everything you can think of. Um, mo- but, but, most but, but, not, but most of the rainwater water goes, goes, yeah, goes out to sea.
0: But, the, right. but there's a fundamental problem here, and that is that we live in a place that doesn't have a lot of rainfall. So hmm. it's not like we can really count on um, you know, rain hmm. harvesting or stormwater capture to be a big component of, of our water supply. Um, so we're just in a, in a place that uh, your question was, should L.A. be here? Well, uh, not really. <laughs> right? Not not at the size that we're not at not the size challenge. that we're at, and so to survive, we have to bring in water from these other sources. One of the uh, one of the major sources in Southern California is, of course, groundwater, and um, we are you know we're going through that at a pretty mm-hmm. at a pretty rapid clip. Not just in California, but all over the world. Mm-hmm.
1: This is water brought up from wells right. through yeah. wells. There is
0: water mm-hmm. that's stored uh, underground. It was uh, uh, stored there originally. Uh, thousands and thousands of years ago, a lot of it after the last ice age, and we're you know we're going through it. And, so not, it's decades. not naturally replenished. Not that's naturally, the problem. Not, not here. Not
1: okay. naturally replenished. So it will so not come back. back. Not, not well, I mean, it back.
2: could be. Okay. You could, we could do a lot more with replenishing groundwater. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the San Fernando Valley, where I'm from, they could, if they cleaned up some mm-hmm. of the groundwater that's already there, so that you could actually use it as a storage. So right. it, c- it can be right. stored. It can be. But, but this
0: is... But, that, so there's a difference. So I was talking about natural mm-hmm. uh, replenishment through rainfall oh, and through snowmelt. Okay. Okay, yeah. So that's that's not that's not going to happen here. But yeah, I mean recycling and mm-hmm. and storing water. Uh, so we do a lot of recycling in, in Orange County in the groundwater replenishment system. So it's a world class uh, toilet to tap mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. facility and we drink it and, and Can you break we that process it. down? <laughs> <laughs> what
1: exactly for s- toilet? There's steps. Okay, well, yeah. Several yeah, so steps. Yeah. So drenching what are the what Yeah, okay. So no, what, are, what yeah. are the steps?
2: No, I mean I, well, uh, there's there's filters luckily. Okay. Okay. Filters with various pore sizes and that's and several of them, right? Mm-hmm. At least 3. Right right so it's a,
0: it's a, so it 's a really a three step uh, at least in the orange county faci- uh, facility it 's a three step process there 's microfiltration uh, which gets a little big stuff out, and then there 's reverse osmosis, which is like D cell, which gets the smaller stuff out, and then there 's UV radiation, which zaps the rest of the stuff, mm-hmm. uh, so then it 's cleaner than any water. Uh, known to man and in fact when you when you drink it it tastes, tastes terrible so they have to actually put minerals back into <laughs> it to make it taste good and then we put it back in the aquifer so there's a little bit more natural purification and it gets mixed in with. Sounds it. sounds expensive it is yes. expensive <laughs> but you know what are the alternatives and it is not as uh, expensive as desal yeah
1: okay desalination so I've yeah. had an expert tell me that that is the future for Los Angeles taking water from the Pacific Ocean, taking the salt out of it and distributing it for us, for agriculture, for drinking, for showers, for th- all of it. What, is the, uh, what are the prospects for that? Is this a reasonable solution? What would that take? Money and energy. I mean, yeah, it, yeah it's, it's, it's,
4: it's, it's the most expensive on the list of options, and so maybe we get there someday, um, but it's not what you would do first. Mm-hmm. Um, the recycling water, uh, a lot more efficiency, uh, rainwater capture, you know, using the um, the groundwater a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all a lot less expensive than desal. Um, you know, desal is, uh, you know, maybe the one most subject to technology revolutions, um, except for, you know, the information. Revolution which may help us do a lot better in conservation, but you know in terms of porous membranes and things like that You know, so maybe you know in 5 15 20 years, you know desal is it's much better than it is today But right now it's used a lot of energy and a
1: lot of money. Isn't the city of Dubai? Uh, doesn't it use most of its water comes from yes. desalination? Right? Yeah, and it right.
0: yeah. uh, many places in the uh, Arabian Peninsula all over Saudi Arabia um, Of course, they don't lack for energy more money, right, yeah. <laughs> <of> money, right? Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I've, I've heard—I don't know if this is just hearsay or not—but I've heard that they make so much uh, desalinated water that they actually pour a lot of it right back into the ocean. They should be shipping some of it, shipping oh. some of it over here. I just wanted to take a moment to uh, to agree with Rob. I mean, it's not—it really isn't. People tend to look. I was just at a meeting in um, in Texas on water and, and energy, and the lieutenant governor was there, and, and he kept saying, "There's five billion, billion with a B." Acre feet of um, brackish saline, Mm -hmm. uh, so very low quality um, groundwater beneath beneath the state. And to him, this was like the silver bullet. This was going to get this was going to get them through. Um, And you know, it's no different, if not worse than uh, than than desal. That water. Whether we're talking about desal or whether we're talking about brackish saline groundwater, uh, it's very expensive to mm-hmm. to clean that up, and it takes a lot of energy. So the first step really has to be, like Rob said, the conservation and efficiency, because we could do so much more uh, with so much less. And then then these other things that are more expensive, mm-hmm. like recycling and like and like desal.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, back to this redistribution mm-hmm. question, which I find very interesting, because uh, Jay, you, have, you produced a map right yes. showing the distribution of right. water globally, which was right. news to me. So right. um, so. Where has water been moved in large and large scale right. sort of in terms of populations uh,
0: so uh, it's it's moving to where we don't live mm-hmm. uh, which is which is part of the problem uh, so it, it, the, what we see from, from satellites is very much mimicking what's being predicted by, by the IPCC climate models, which, and we hear a lot of this in the news, and f- recently it was just in the news when the IPCC report just came out, that the, the dry areas of the world are getting drier and the mm-hmm. wet areas of the world are getting wetter. And so geographically those dry areas are all the mid- the latitudes. They're the places like mm-hmm. here, uh, which are already This is just from climate change? Say, this, yeah, this is just from climate okay. change. right? So, um, they're already dry and because of climate change then they'll become drier. And so where some of the water is going is to the high latitudes like the Arctic and to the low latitudes like the, like the tropics. Mm-hmm. And so we see that, that's what the models predict. And now that's what our satellite data are beginning to confirm. So, just
1: so I'm clear, this means that the precipitation patterns are changing? So yes. perci- precipitation right. is mm-hmm. concentrating in particular areas that's and right. moving away from others. That's right. Okay.
0: Exactly right. Okay. So, and then it's being exacerbated by, in the, in the dry parts of the world that are getting drier, by definition, then we have to use the groundwater there mm-hmm. because it's dry and it's not coming back because yeah. of because of climate change. So we're a sort of accelerating, we're adding a human component to the, to the drying, yeah. accelerating the, the rates of drying in the, yeah. in the arid and semi-arid parts of the world.
4: Hmm. So there's, I mean, okay. in part we use the groundwater because here in many places in the world, we just use it really badly um, in that it's not, you just drill a well and you pump, and it's not regulated. And so essentially as places start undergoing water stress, people go after this resource which is completely you know, unregulated and un- unmanaged, and we don't start managing it until it gets to a crisis where the, the, you know, the water level is so, da- so far down that people can't drill down any farther. And so, you know, again, it's, 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 it's the, the human part of the system is really important, and in part we have, we're pumping, you know, we're, we're so stressed on groundwater because we don't, we don't price it, we don't manage it like a scarce resource until it is at
1: a crisis level. So Malthus is at least partly correct, right? um, in that in that he predicted that stress on natural resources would cause catastrophes for human beings. Right. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about some of the catastrophes that are going on? Gretchen, I know you do work on fire,
2: well, uh, and which
1: is certainly you know
2: I avoid uh, fire. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But
1: you, you study it. Well, I, I
2: have studied it because I've worked in the chaparral, which, as you know, is sort of the plant community in the hillsides around L.A. and Mediterranean climates worldwide, and um, it's pretty interesting to see, just uh, to think about all of the impacts of lack of water. And one of the things that I don't know if people think about enough is uh, the fact that lack of water in the southwest actually leads to an increase in severity of fire. Mm-hmm. So the Rim Fire, for instance, the one up around Yosemite mm-hmm. just um, a few weeks ago, That would not have been so bad, nearly so Mm -hmm. bad, um, had the forest had sort of a normal moisture content. Um, And it's not just moisture content, so if the wood has a low moisture content, the tree is much more likely to be um, infested with bark beetle, and so you have large stands of dead trees even before the fire comes in, and then the fire just, whoosh, it's tinder. So I think that, um, but again, though, it's not, you, ju- you don't just throw up your hands, that that should affect the way we plan new subdivisions and things like that. So, so there are is ways to deal what with it, the, the, avoiding.
1: What was the cause of the dryness of well, the, the, the cause, forest in Yosemite?
2: Um, it's just been really dry. Mm-hmm. It's been really dry for the past, I mean, we had 2007 was a wet year, including up there, right. but low snowpack or no snowpack. Okay. Um, So the trees are drought-stressed, and once Mm -hmm. they get drought-stressed, then the bark beetle comes in and can kill the tree in a year or two, and then you have standing dead timber, which just goes like that.
1: And what are the implications? You you talk about subdivisions.
2: Well, the implications are (laughs) we were really fortunate that the Rim Fire, there were no deaths, but um, there were deaths in San Diego. And in San Diego, it's... Um, and we see the same pattern here in, in Orange County. It's just people building lovely homes right up against vegetation that is quite flammable.
4: And then you suppress the fire year after year because you have homes near it and, then, and because we haven't been managing the, the lands properly. And mm-hmm. then when you do get a fire, it's an inferno okay. because there's so much, because it hasn't burned for 50 or 100 years right. in an in, in a, in, in a
1: ecosystem which is supposed to burn frequently. Right. Okay, that's bad. Um, <laughs> right. So don't don't build in a fire zone. Don't yeah. build
2: in a fire zone. That's During a like, drought. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, there are other, uh, one might say, even more dire catastrophes globally, right? Uh, outside the United States, where people are really, really have either no or very limited access to fresh water, right? Yeah. Where it's a, a question of walking a long way to a river mm-hmm. and the water in that river isn't clean anyway, right? I mean, so yeah. how many people are we talking about? What how large are these regions where it's this grave a problem?
0: So there's, uh, about 2 billion people uh, around the world lack access to a reliable
1: two out of 7 billion, yeah. right? Yeah, total. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, that lacks. it's actually closer to about a third of the a third of the yeah. population. So uh this this isn't good and so the, the walking to rivers uh scenario is one that um is well known in in africa yeah. and the burden of um, of uh capturing the water and supplying the water for the the home often falls to women uh, if it falls to men if they have to walk fast distances and that means that they're not out contributing mm-hmm. right getting a job and and so it's a It's a huge, I mean, it's a huge problem. Um, One of the things, so uh, I think you mentioned that, that that, um, sometimes we we sort of ignore the connection between things like water and fire, Mm -hmm. um, which um, is silly, but it's true. Um, And we also ignore the connection to water and food, to water Mm -hmm. and energy, and and then of course the economic uh, implications uh, of all that. So in these places, uh, that don't have access. So these two billion, these two billion people are scattered all over the world. Um, it goes well beyond um, not you know just not having water. Mm-hmm. It's affecting their livelihoods, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, it's affecting their uh, ability. It's uh, to you know nutrition, the, the mm-hmm. ability to to feed their families. So it's a, um, a huge a huge problem with a with a massive ripple effect.
2: Yeah, something just occurred to me. So. With, when you have young women basically having to spend pretty much most of the day going right. to water, mm-hmm. getting water, and bringing it back, and then maybe doing it once again in the evening, those are young women who don't go to school. Mm-hmm. And That's if right. you're thinking about limitations on population growth, the single mm-hmm. best way mm-hmm. to limit population growth is to educate young women. Right. Mm-hmm. So okay. there you go. So, right, water. <laughs> no, you're yeah. right. And so it's very difficult
0: like, yeah. to, to, break that, to break that cycle.
1: Bef- yeah. Before you start making us feel better, um, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> many people are predicting, many ex- well, experts, social scientists, and others have, are now predicting that the next world war will be fought over water, that water is the next oil. What do you think?
4: Um, you could certainly. You the know, competition for th- water. Yeah, I mean, you could right? certainly check off the. Uh, uh, you know the places in the world where there's already a lot of stress and where, where water is a, a big issue you know the, between india and pakistan they there, there's a lot of places where countries that don't get along very well share right share rivers and right. so you it mean, seems
1: like with increasing population there will be greater and greater competition for water yes. which yes. often and then,
4: you know I mean, and again if you if you managed it right it would work out okay but these are places where they don't manage a lot of other things well either i mean uh, the um, uh, in, in in Southeast Asia, you've got um, you know all these plans for people building dams on rivers. They've got sort of a river commission which is meant to coordinate it. China doesn't participate. They've got you know they're upstream on a lot of these rivers. So I mean it's um, uh, the Middle East. I mean there's there's places where tensions are already high where mm-hmm. water um, you know is exacerbates things. You know and,
1: you know who predicted that wars would develop and competition for natural resources. Thomas Malthus. Just saying. Just I'm, gonna, saying, yeah. I'm, reinvan- I'm re- uh, bringing him back. Bringing okay. Malthus back. Okay. So let's get to solutions. Um, so, as a native Californian born and raised in the Bay Area, you know, I, I'm sure I speak for a lot of us. Our experience with the water crisis was, you know, there's a drought, there's not enough water where you live. Um, if it's yellow, it's mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. Um, <laughs> and then, sort of, a lot of I would call moralizing against individual consumers right Mm -hmm. sort of people are made to feel bad for letting the for letting the water run while they're brushing their teeth or taking long showers or washing their car and god forbid you have a lawn. So I mean that's actually I would say the sum total of my experience Mm -hmm. in terms of discourse about the water crisis is that kind of moralizing making me feel bad. Um, yet I found out that, um, is this right? Seven, something like 70% of the world's fr- uh, fresh water is consumed by agriculture and yes. agricultural yes. businesses. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, um, how about we, uh, shift the attention from the individual consumer to larger institutions? Is that reasonable? Right. It's, t- it's <laughs> totally reasonable.
0: Okay. Reasonable. I think when, any, when whether you're looking at your home, balancing your home budget or whether you're, you're thinking about the water budget of, uh, California or the, or the nation, um, for your home, it's always good to think about the, the, biggest, the biggest users, right? If you're worried about your budget, um, you're probably going to be thinking more uh, first about maybe the size of your mortgage that might be your biggest payment than, say, going to Starbucks and the, the $2, dollars seventy five whatever it is, $1.95, it, it varies, uh, <laughs> that you spend uh, on a cup of coffee. Uh, and so that's true for water in, in, in all over the world. It's agriculture, so it is somewhere between 70 and 90 percent of the water that gets used around the world is for agriculture. So there are huge efficiencies that can be realized there. So I
1: took a really long shower today. Is that okay? That sucks.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, that's okay. Yeah, you got to watch
1: out. You for just that. made me feel better <laughs> for a second. Okay, so then in
0: the house, right? Actually, then the biggest use of water in the home is outdoor irrigation. And that's 50. Could, you're to so far, mm-hmm. your showers okay. are okay. After that, <laughs> then it's like the toilet, and then it's the so particularly the if shelf. you use your shower water to
4: put it out in the garden. Oh, you right. Gray water? Gray water. Yeah. Although, yeah. It, yeah.
2: he has to do a kind of sub-rosa, right? In L.A. County?
1: Right now yeah. until, yeah. yeah. Oh, I can't. That's not, that's <laughs> illicit. Lawn machine's good, Laundry machine's yeah. good, Lonely but not your shower. And I uh, sure, yeah, but, but yeah. The but doesn't it seem on the, on the like there's an, an an inordinate or inappropriate amount of attention paid to habits like that? And whereas we never hear, I, I didn't well, know the seventy percent to ninety yeah. yeah. percent figure until just the other day.
0: Yeah, right. So, yeah. Th- though there's,
4: you know, there's um, what well, among the among the fallacies, you know, people, the psychologists have these list of fallacies. Is silver bullet fallacy, you know, that you can take a problem and fix right. it with mm-hmm. the silver bullet, right? Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that makes water you know, insidious and difficult is that it needs to be addressed at so many levels. And so it's really important that the consumer become part of the equation in a way that we haven't. I mean, one one of the things that's been broken is that, and you hear water managers say this all the time, right? You know, people think water comes from the tap when we've got this 100 years of amazing infrastructure that makes it possible to live here and people just don't pay attention. We kind of left it to the engineers and the water agencies to do that and now we've got to move into a world where people do pay a lot more attention to their local water, the way they use water, and so forth. So, you know, the shower is sort of emblematic and gets people's attention but people need to be part of the equation the way they haven't been. That said, and you know, even though local sources are so important, you know, it, in a, particularly in a drought-stricken place like California where, where variability is so important, some years it rains, some years it doesn't, um, some, you know, it rains in certain seasons, not others, this whole idea of what they call integrated water management, there's a buzzword, but it basically means thinking of it as a system. So as important as it is for people to pay attention to their own water, you've got to think about it on a statewide level. And how water is moved efficiently, and where we invest, and is it better to invest in a dam here or groundwater management here, and that all needs to be adjudicated on you know and we need the you know we need to do that properly, both through markets and through governments mm. so it it really needs to be done at different levels, and people got to pay attention to what they do locally, but they have to understand they're part of a system and so we got to you know sort of all these
1: things at once, but it sounds like massive large scale um reproduction re, you know reconstruction uh, restructuring is what i'm talking uh, what i'm getting to yeah restructuring on a massive scale so right you mean like so like re-
0: rebuilding infrastructure yeah i mean we're well, talking about I mean, there's, I mean, there's there's new, definitely some of that that, yeah. that will be required because of this redistribution of where the water is how it's going to be how it's going to occur in california so less snow melt less snow right okay. and less snow melt all of our reservoirs yeah. are built to capture snow melt, but that won't be the case in 50 years from now, so perhaps the reservoir should be in place. But but
4: also, you know, we all see the potholes in the road, um, but, you know, so we haven't been maintaining our roads the way we should, but the infrastructure that brings the water here is basically got potholes just like the roads. So, you know, even if if the climate wasn't changing, um, we would still have to put an awful lot of money in the infrastructure that we have just to
1: maintain it and bring it up up to standard. Okay, so I'm going to make all three of you God, restructure the economy. <laughs> first really, what would first you do? First,
0: we'd have a government I that have government. worked. Yes. Uh, yeah. Richard, Richard, a Richard, government. that's okay, important, yeah. Okay, so, so the <laughs> shutdown,
1: we end the shutdown, and then, yeah. and then what would you do?
2: Well, I actually, I think we can deal with the 30% that isn't agriculture, for instance, in a much more intelligent way. Like, I I really do think that um, education works, and I think that lawns can go away in many places, or at least be totally redesigned. And Las Vegas has shown that, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, uh, but it does as we, um, you do sort of have to come to a crunch, I bet a crunch could be an earthquake, say, where we get an interruption in our water supply or something, something to focus people's <laughs> mind um, so that they don't think, well, you know, uh, yeah, we need water, but I don't think it means that we need to pay more for water. The, I guess you saw the yeah. L.A. Times poll yeah. um, where everybody sort of agrees that we do need to support the infrastructure for water, except, except we don't need to pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so, you know, <laughs> right. Um, so what I so I would I would actually have a big push toward yeah. um, eliminating lawns. Hmm. I really yeah. would.
1: But w- what we need is a good crisis. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> it, 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 if, if one could play
4: God, what you would like would people to envision the crisis before it happens. Yeah. We 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 do a bunch of workshops with water managers, and was one of the great lines to come out of it is, is we were doing a stress test for a water agency up. Uh, a little bit to the east of here, and, you know, we got to a point where, you know, it was, it was clear that they had some stresses, but if they could raise the price of water and then sort of reprice things, you know, they, it, would, it would work out fine. And, you know, in, in the discussion, one of the, the elected officials says, yeah, and I know if we, if, if we price the water correctly that things would work out much better here, but if we try to do that, we'll all get voted out of office, right? And so what I want to know from you and all your fancy modeling is once, my, once our, our, the voters are panicked enough to let us rationalize the system, will we have enough time to do it? And that was her question, yeah. right? And, and that is in some sense a right. question. Can, can people understand the crisis so that they pay attention and do the things that, you know, if, if, <clears throat> if we all got together in a room and trusted each other and, you know, kind of had the information we need, we could kind of sketch out what the system should look like. Well, that sounds
1: a lot like the talk about climate change. Yeah, right? oh, Which exactly. Is, yeah. a lot of people are saying, we have 50 years and the, and the globe's going to be underwater unless we do something immediately. Unless, unless there's a radical restructuring of the global political economy, right? And yeah, and, and how do you get people and, to pay attention to well, it? Well, first sure? of all, is that correct? <laughs> right? <laughs> and then, you know, then even if it is correct, how could you possibly do that? Right. That's short yeah. amount of time, so're you're, so you're God, so fix it. How would you do it Oh, and other than making people yeah
4: give us specifics policy proposals yeah, I mean, I think you' probably want um say the you know place like l a that we would um, uh, you know go from our current line you know make make uh Double, triple our, our reliance on local sources, so that you know we are much much less reliant on the water that comes in through conservation, recycling, uh, capture, that sort of thing. Um, we need to. Um, can
1: you can you be more specific about that? What does that mean? What would it mean in terms of investment and policy and?
4: Um, the, what we would what we we would need to. I mean, we we spend about a percent of uh, California's gross product on water investments right now one percent percent. yeah so you know we would need to um spend you know about that but we are we would essentially need to be investing much more heavily in you know things like conservation for you know for less use later on so you know and um so, you know, again, it's, it's like there's, it, it's, it, there's not a silver bullet. You just we have need to work down these long lists of things. Right. Like, you know, on the shower, I mean, the problem is that the health department doesn't talk to the water department, right? And so you have all these siloed right. agencies, and mm-hmm. they just need to coordinate a whole lot differently than they do. Okay. Um,
2: I mean, it's funny that the mo- the most extensive use of reclaimed water in L.A. is for golf courses, hmm. right? Yeah. Something like that? I mean, does that seem right? Does that seem right? extensive is what i said yeah
1: if you're a golfer it does
2: right yeah. <laughs> but it just it just strikes me as a i mean if it's good enough for a golf course why, why is it yeah.
1: good it's a powerful for it? lobby group the golfers right. yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah so listen said uh, I, yeah, I go for it you god
0: can i play god yeah cuz I, I need yeah. to yeah i know uh, um, so i think the bit if, if i if i uh, were god and i could um, uh, somehow Get all my disciples to act in a certain way. Uh, one of the things that I would uh, uh, would make a requirement to get into heaven uh, would be managing groundwater <laughs> and managing groundwater mm-hmm. in terms of groundwater.
1: Mm-hmm. Someone uh, I know wrote regards, an op-ed for the Los Angeles Times recently some, on that very topic. Who,
0: yeah. It's a pretty good op-ed. Well, it was yeah. pretty good. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> God. But, you know, God want to be. Um, anyway, so that is, uh, I think that's, that's a big part of the key to our, well, our, order, our order. Lay future. out the argument in the op-ed. Uh, so, uh, I, you know, we we're having a discussion in the in the green room before about things that get written and things that you forget that you wrote. <laughs> so I wrote this op-ed. Uh, it was just last week, but I forgot. <laughs> I didn't forget. No, 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 no. Uh, so in most, in most parts of the world, groundwater withdrawals, groundwater use um, is not is not monitored. It's not managed. It's not monitored. It's true in California. It's true in most parts of the United States. And so the argument is that that's how we are, that's how we're filling the gap right now between supply and demand. Um, we're dipping into our water bank account, so to speak, without, without really managing it, not managing the withdrawals, not really keeping track of the balance. So um, it's high time that we, that we do that because uh, it is a really a strategic reserve and one that is, one that is finite.
1: Last question. Uh, from me, anyway. Not from them. <laughs> um, they're vicious. Um, <laughs> I'm the nice guy here. Uh, your solutions all sound to me pretty much mm-hmm. like government solutions. Uh, are you calling for greater government intrusion into this (laughs) sphere are you talking about more government agencies to monitor the groundwater are you talking about new government agencies or bigger government agencies to develop this new infrastructure we need and what are the implications for democracy (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so
0: ours could be broken in the united states as we as we've recently learned but uh yeah i mean there's really look it's Water is is everywhere, and we are not doing a good job managing it by smaller by smaller districts. So we probably do need to have a national water policy. So it's
1: also centralizing government. Yes. Okay, I'm yeah. just getting. And there yeah. are agents. It's okay. <laughs> and uh, but there are agencies
0: like there are agencies that are already in place that yeah. can do this. The U.S. Geological Survey, right? Okay. I mean, they are in charge of monitoring groundwater, and they're in charge mm-hmm. of monitoring our stream flows. So <clears throat> the infrastructure, the monitoring infrastructure is, is already there. Okay, so I think it, yeah. we need a vision, a national-level yeah. vision. That could yeah, be implemented I mean, implemented it's like air. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean,
2: air, water, they're pretty fundamental, and they're pretty yeah, universal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it she seems... Yeah. Yeah. I, mean,
4: right. I, I think there's a role for markets, there's a role for the private sector, do a lot of investment here, um, but the government part needs to work as well. Yeah, you, and, right. you know, and, yeah, the the... There's a need for, you know, alignment between the various agencies and levels of government. Um, you know, some countries like Australia have taken, you know, hundreds of water district, local water districts, and aggregated them to, uh, to you know, a smaller number of regional districts. Um, you know, being agnostic about whether or not we need to do that. Certainly, we have lots of water districts. It's great to you know again managed locally but each one of those they need to do a better job of managing across most investment in the state you know that you know 1% of the state economy is managed locally which you know in some ways is good but you know each of these each of these agencies is sort of tends to be myopic and focuses on just their own situation mm-hmm. the system needs to work uh, as part and that you know yeah you know, the, the government certainly needs to to steer whether it needs to row on
1: all the investments you know there 's a lot of places where it doesn 't need to row, Just but it certainly needs to steer yeah so I mean the counter argument has been that the problem with water distribution um, is that it is mostly managed by monopolies, public utilities, government mm-hmm. agencies right these are monopolies right, right. yeah they don 't compete against each other so they can basically do whatever they want, or they have much less accountability mm-hmm. right. Um, as opposed to a business in a competitive market, mm-hmm. right? that would have to be accountable to its consumers or they would lose the consumers to another competitor. Uh, this pr- So privatization mm-hmm. of water distribution, I think, right, of utility services, right, has been proposed lately and it's been adopted in some municipalities and yes. some countries even yeah. right. with, I don't know, I've read but, but, mixed But still results, they're regulated but, monopolies. I mean, they're not, I okay. mean,
4: you know, it, it's, right. it's mm-hmm. like
1: electricity. I mean, you, right. you know, we've got...
4: Not private pure power producers, but they're but they're
1: regulated. Not monopoly. pure privatization, but a move in that direction. Yeah. So, what do you what do you think about that?
0: So, just to just to chime in, there's a big difference between the distribution and the and the policy and the legal framework. Um, that that we were talking about before, with respect to say managing the groundwater. So those are those are different. Those are different things. Um, and so the the uh, privatization of distribution that could work that could work great, and it yeah. works great in some places. And whether it's unregulated or semi-regulated, it's uh, it it can work. But um, we have a bigger issue here, and that is that most of our water law and water policy mm-hmm. uh, was enacted a long time ago, back yeah. in the frontier days when we didn't really understand how the water cycle worked and that mm-hmm. surface water and groundwater were interconnected. And if you use more groundwater, that's going to draw down the rivers. And, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't understand all that, and yeah. we built up a huge, you know, all of our property rights and infrastructure around that. So there are big challenges ahead now to, to, uh, and it's not. I don't even know if we can, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you re-jigger our infrastructure so that it can embrace um, what we know today about how the water cycle works and what we're predicting about what's going to happen in the future.
1: Okay, Gretchen, what do you think about the idea of privatizing water?
2: think it worked very well in the central valley i mean it seems to me that people just if they can they just dig deeper wells and um then they just drill until it's dry and either move on you know enter another line of work so it doesn't seem that it does encourage the kind of conservation that's necessary the kind of monitoring any any kind of i i don't see that it works but i i don't have a experience with countries that are trying this,
1: I don't know. I have a feeling there's some people in the audience who can probably answer this question. Uh, So
5: we'd love to take some questions. So I wanted to uh, go back to the beginning of this. So Malthus had this idea that we had scarcity. Mm -hmm. And we needed to manage in times of scarcity. And his solution was, people die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if that's not good enough, then they kill each other. Mm -hmm. Okay, so absent that kind of approach, You know, we have to have an appreciation of how to manage in times of scarcity and it seems that part of your conversation had to do with whether we have a crisis or whether we don't have a crisis. So landfills were a problem because we have scarcity of land, right? So recycling came in and people poo-pooed that because it was just hippies and now we have recycling and now we have waste streams that are being managed differently. Um, We had problems in the 70s with energy and now we still have limited infrastructure for energy, so we have flex your power, which is a way of doing that, mm-hmm. right? So we, we can collectively, whether it's public, private, what have you, start to deal with this differently. In uh, 2014, there's gonna be an $11 billion bond mm-hmm. on water in the state, which is about 1% of the GDP is, yeah. or GSP or whatever yeah. of the state. Yeah, whatever, yeah. My question is, do you think that should be passed by the collective Population, and then secondarily, do you think it will? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with your c- comments up to your question.
4: Um, the The eleven billion dollars has to do with um, restor- restoring the uh, San Joaquin-San Francisco Bay Delta, um, and um, which is um, where we get a, you know, about a third of our water, important uh, source for the, uh, the the Central Valley, um, and the um, Two big problems. Um, one is it's, uh, a, the Bay Delta is an ecological mess and needs a lot of restoration um, because we've been basically pumping water and messing up the flow for about 100 years. And the other problem um, is that the, the infrastructure there, some of it goes back to the late, early, late 19th century. Um, and uh, if there happens to be an earthquake there before we fix it, it basically wipes out much of the state's water supply. Um, and that part I think is, is crucial to the answering your question because in an ideal world I would love to spend 11 billion dollars on conservation and all these cheaper options and do that later when we have a better idea how fast and quickly we can reduce and then a better idea how to deal with the way that climate change is going to radically reshape um, you know, the state's water system. But if we don't do it really soon, we're just, every year we don't do it, we're making the bet that we're not gonna have the big earthquake in Northern California that takes out the system. Um, so, um, you know, I kinda wish we had done it a while ago, and, cause there'd be better ways to invest the money right now, but I think given the risks of the whole thing just collapsing uh, in, in an earthquake, I think we kinda have to do it now, and, um, you know, plan carefully and, Link it to all these other things we need to do, but ultimately, I think we need to do it because the system there is just way too unstable.
3: Uh, Secretary Laird of the Resources Agency was talking about the Bay Delta Conservation Plan and the Delta Fix recently, and responding to commentators that said you know, more of that $11 billion should be put into uh, reliable local resources, groundwater management, levee repairs, um, and his response was actually. Those areas are low-hanging fruit, and when the competition is even more fierce in the future, that's when we should invest in local resources and local ri- reliability. How do you all feel about that?
0: And I, I missed what, what you said. So, so, so the secretary said that
3: we should wait until... For the low-hanging fruit, until the competition uh, is more fierce. Because it'll be easier See, I to gain water. I thought,
0: wow, it sounds like a nice way to go. We should be doing so. I agree <laughs> with, what you, with whoever said what you said first about the low-hanging fruit and investing in levy repairs and local management. Um, I think is the way to go. The big infrastructure projects, to me, are very, it's a very old school way of thinking. Texas, by the way, is thinking about, is working on building 19 new surface water reservoirs to capture this like, imaginary water. Um, so it's very old school, it's old school thinking. Uh, on the one hand, you know, the governor wants to have water be part of his legacy, and that's fantastic, right? And he's doing lots of things, big and small. And, and, and that's, that's wonderful. But uh, in terms of the big infrastructure projects, my hesitation on those projects is that the science isn't there, and that the decisions are being made politically rather than based on science and impact. And so that's that's why I go with the low-hanging fruits now.
2: And also, just I mean, what both of these people have said. Um, yeah, that's not a way to get a lot of voters to buy in. So I can't imagine with this kind of, um, oh, yeah, so, we <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's good as long as we don't have anything better. And there are basically, you know, it doesn't seem like there can be a campaign that people will support in 2014. I and mean, not based on this.
4: Michael Feinstein, Santa Monica, mm-hmm. quick two-parter, first part since we all seem to agree on conservation and efficiency given the phenomenally intergenerational, intergenerationally irresponsible use of water for animal-centered diets why in the world is it not part of the discussion at all is it just lifestyle selfishness that we don't talk about that and then number two when i was mayor of santa Monica, i represented the city in south africa at the world summit on sustainable development in two thousand two where i watched the bush administration say that the only way it would give Infrastructure support for water to African countries, as if they would agree to privatize, is that still the policy of the Obama administration? Thank you.
0: I just want to respond to your your first part about the, the <laughs> animal-centered diet stuff. And I, you know, I I love meat, um, <laughs> but I think you hit it. I think that you're right. I mean, people don't understand, right? We don't really fully understand the water footprint and how much, right? How much it takes to produce beef, for example. Um, but the bigger part is the lifestyle change. And and that is something that we will be challenged as a you know as a state, as a nation, as a resources, uh, unless we want to uh you know kill each other, uh, as resource availability becomes tighter, right, there's conservation, there's efficiency. Well you know, that means lifestyle changes. And so there's a huge part of it that's really sort of public awareness and education and and it's going to be a challenge because it will involve lifestyle changes.
1: And privatization was the second question, Yeah, which, which was the my the last question. So yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. Um, I don't know. We've, we've made a big pledge uh, to um, African water and energy infrastructure. Obama did that when he was in South Africa a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's conditioned. condition. Someone should Google it and see uh, yeah. Yeah. Whether, whether that's a condition on it or not.
3: Uh, Michael Feynman. At the beginning of the uh, discussion, uh, it was mentioned that 70% of the uh, water resources are going to agriculture. And we didn't hear anything more about that. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that there's a lot to be uh, considered in that area, particularly since a lot of the things grown, uh, we talked about uh, feed for animals, uh, for the non meat eaters, but there's also things like cotton, which is subsidized here and is okay. m- grown much cheaper around the world. Sugar, which is a killer, gets tremendous uh, subsidies. Okay. So you've got two, two parts in the agriculture thing. One is uh, subsidies. The other thing is the free water usage that the uh, farmers have. And consequently, no incentive for them to really economize on those things. So uh, I don't know if we have any more time, but I'd like to hear your opinions on the whole agriculture 70% facet of this thing. Um, yeah, yeah more,
4: more is going on than right. actually your question. Right. I mean, so the, the, the prices are yeah. higher. People are s- growing less cotton in the Central Valley. But, I mean, just going back to the Malthus question at the beginning, uh, 70% of water is used for agriculture. But if you think of the place where we, you know, may get one of the biggest stressors globally, it's going to be food and food security. Um, right. and, um, and in a lot of places in the world, there's, you know, the... The, the first place where they may really suffer from uh, water shortages is, is, is lack of food and nutrition. So it's, um, it's a lot of water, but it's a, it's a crucial sector. Right.
2: I mean, it's water that limits agriculture. Thank you so much. Give them a big round of
0: applause.
3: Thank you, guys. Thank you. Okay.